This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, we want to talk today about unlocking God's blessings and goodness. And we got, well, goodness, that just sounds kind of a generic something or other, but Throughout the Bible, he continues to talk about his goodness, and he describes what it is, and he describes on how to unlock it so it flows to us, regardless of what's going on in the world around about us. Anyhow, let me read you a verse. I don't know if you've ever heard this verse or not, but it's kind of one of my favorite ones, and it's found in the book of Romans, chapter uh, 8, I think it is. And it's verse uh, 20. How did you know that? Verse 28. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified Bible, and it says this. And we know, not like, oh, we just hope so, you know, oh, you know, or we just think it might happen. No, no. This says here, and we know. And then it goes on to say in the Amplified Bible, with great confidence. And that word confidence there is talking about expectation. And we know with great expectation and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, and you got to understand this, every man, woman, boy, and girl who can hear me talk right now, whether you're online, you're in the balcony, you're here in our sanctuary, you're downstairs in the cafe, whoever it is that God is greatly concerned, he's interested in you. He says here, and we know with great confidence with great expectation that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes. He is the cause. He causes all things. Now, what percentage is all? 100%. Now, does that 100%, is it still relevant when there's a pandemic going on or is, is it all off? Still relevant. Still he says that we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, even COVID-19, he causes all things to work together. You know how your bones, you know, your, 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 your toe bone is connected to your, your foot bone and your ankle bone and your, your leg bone and your knee bone and your thigh bone and your hip bones and your back bones and your rib bones and your neck and shoulder bones and your skull and your eyes and your ears, you're in your mouth and, and just every part of who you are and eyeballs and, and hearts and lungs and liver and, and you just name it. That all, all these things work together, don't they? It enabled you to get here this morning. Didn't your body working together? Wasn't that a wonderful thing? Surely it is, you know. And it's not a very positive thing when your body won't work the way you want it to. But he says here, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, he causes, he causes all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He causes all things to work together as a plan for good, for your good. And if you would help me right here, you don't have to get up and move, but if you can just point your finger at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. He's talking about, he's talking about, he's talking about you. So he says, God, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for 
good, for your good. He's talking about you. For your good, for those who love God. Ah, there's a condition. This is a condition that causes everything to work together for good. For those who love God. Number one, you love God. To those who are called according to his plan and purpose. Now, have you, have you acknowledged that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? Have you yielded to doing things God's way? Or are you in rebellion to doing things God's way? Whatever it might be. Well, when we love him and we are yielded to his purpose and his plan, he tells us all things are going to work together for good. And it don't matter if you're in a pandemic. It don't matter what's going on in this world. And if we'll just be patient and be filled with faith, you know, and we don't complain, but we praise him in the midst of it, you're going to see God just turn that thing around for you. And it's going to work together for good. And let me emphasize great good in your life, if you love him, and you have yielded yourself to his purpose and plan in your life. Listen to what it says here in Deuteronomy 28, verse 2. And I'm also reading this out of the Amplified Bible. It says all. Now, what percentage again was all? 100%. All these blessings. And then if you'll read on through about verse 14 there, it describes all kinds of magnificent, wonderful blessings. And it says, and all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. You understand overtake? Boy, I wish I could have remembered to bring me a football this morning and I had somebody go out for a pass, and then I had all the guys in here to tackle him and overtake him, and we would have demonstrated. But that probably would not have been very good social distance, and I don't think, you know. But anyhow, you can see them guys running after the guy with the ball, and they overtake him. And my Bible says, all these blessings, all these blessings will come upon you, and they will overtake you. They're going to chase you down, and they're going to overtake you. That's what he's talking about. They're going, and, and we know the verse where it says in Psalms 23, surely goodness, that's what we're talking about here, unlocking God's blessings and goodness. It says, surely goodness and mercy, we talked about last week, shall follow you all the days of your life. And their goal, goodness's goal is not only to follow, but to chase you down and to overtake you. The blessings and the goodness of God are going to follow you, chase you, and overtake you. And I'm all in favor of his blessings overtaking you. You know what that's like? You've been in a grocery store. <clears throat> no, not a grocery store. Any store. What's your favorite store? Tractor Supply. Tractor Supply. That's a good one. <laughs> I like Tractor Supply myself. It kind of is right there along Cabela's side, you know. But imagine you go in with no particular purpose. You're just kind of window shopping, which is always dangerous, you know what I'm saying. You go in and you end up, lo and behold, you got a carriage with $495 worth of stuff that you didn't even know that you needed until you got there, you know. And then as you're going to the cashier, a guy's running from the back of the store. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. All the stuff you just got, that's 95% off in that area where you got your stuff. You're going, 95% off? Can you bring me another carriage, please? You know, 
But you see somebody who's going to tell you there's a discount there, and it's just like, he's overtaking you. He's going to say, it ain't going to cost you what you thought. It's like, whoa, you're shocked in a very good way. That is a blessing overtaking you, you see. Just wanted to kind of explain that. It says here, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. But then there's an if word there. If you pay attention to the voice of the Lord your God. If, and when he says if you pay attention, that means you act upon it. All these blessings, and just read about them in, in Deuteronomy 28. And read about them everywhere else. He says, but these blessings are going to chase you. They're going to come after you. They're going to overtake you. And then he says, if you pay attention to the voice of the Lord your God. I'm paying attention to what God says to me in his word. When I read early in the morning or late at night or when I'm hearing it preached or I'm hearing it on the radio or on a tape, when I hear God speaking to me, I'm going to pay attention. And he says that's the condition for all, 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 all 100% of all the blessings God has They will chase you down and they will overtake you if you pay attention to the voice of the Lord your God, which just means you act upon it. God is good all the time. That's his nature. God's given us so much more than we deserve. Hasn't he? Hasn't he given us a whole lot more than we deserve? He surely has. I mean, he's given us fine automobiles to drive. If they run, you're not having to feed a horse you're not having to saddle it up and, or, uh, you know, take all the harnesses off and every day, every time you want to go somewhere and take forever to get there. But we actually have the horsepower underneath the hood now. That's a blessing, is it not? That's pretty good, I think. He's given us clothes. He's given us all kinds of delicious food and houses. And let me ask you a question. You know, is this a true statement? Things could be worse. You could, you could write now be in the absolute best hospital in Connecticut. Would that be worse? You could be in the best jail in Connecticut. Would that be worse? think so, you know. Anyhow, I do believe that we need to think about these things. Things always could be worse no matter what's going on. They could be worse. And don't ever say things just couldn't get worse. Just like, oh, don't say that. Because you will be proven that they can. (laughs) And you don't want to find that out. There's an old song we used to sing. It went like this. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Now, I don't know if you really get to enjoy that sunrise this morning, <clears throat> but he made it especially for me. And y'all can enjoy it if you want to, you know. That's okay, but he made it especially for me because I'm one of his kids. And it's okay if you have the same attitude, okay? God made it especially for you because you're one of his special ones, and that is the truth of it. He is so good to us all, is he not? Psalms 33, listen to what it says here. Verse 1, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. And this is instructional. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, let me explain rejoice. You ever been to a football game and your team 
is making touchdown after touchdown, making tackle after tackle, and the, the score is just mounting up, mounting up, and you win, you know, by like 20 points or something or another. How would you, at that football game from beginning to end, how would you rejoice? What was that? How many of you would rejoice if it was your team winning? Woo! Yes! You got your popcorn, you got your soda there, and when you make a touchdown, you go, yeah! And everybody gets a bath, you know, and snow and popcorn all around because you just can't contain yourself because you're rejoicing. And the Bible says this with an exclamation mark. It says, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Those of you who are in right relationship with God, rejoice. And then he goes on to say, for praise. For praise from the upright is beautiful. And when you're doing for God what the fans of football do for their team, and you're hooting and hollering, you know, when you're doing that for God, he says, as beautiful. You have any grandkids? <laughs> I have some grandkids, and my youngest, he's the cutest thing here for soft. When he comes up, he wants to see if it's real, you know. <laughs> he wants to give you a hug and things like that. And you know what? It just melts your heart. It's beautiful. And when you and I praise God, oh, God, this is a wonderful sunrise this morning. I know you made it special for me. Oh, mighty God, the things that you've you've answered, our prayers, what you are doing right now, it's beautiful to God. When you and I praise him, that's what we can do for God. And and, and his word tells us it's beautiful. And then he goes on to say some of the other ways that you can praise him. Praise the Lord with a a harp. (laughs) Make melody to him with an instrument of 10 strings or 6 strings or 12 strings or a keyboard that's got... Tons and tons of strings, you know. And he says here, sing to him a new song, verse 3. I don't know if you ever sit down with your instrument and you just start playing a melody that you created or a melody that you already knew and just start singing a prayer. Use this in a private situation where it's just you just pouring your heart out to God, a new song, you know, to the almighty God. Play skillfully, it says. Well, let me read verse 3 again. Sing to him a new song, Play skillfully with a shout of joy, a shout of joy. And I, I tell you what, I can get more excited about what God's done than what people do with a pigskin out on a 100-yard field. Now, I don't mind my team winning if I had a team, you know, trying to still figure out which one I'm, choo- I'm rooting for, you know. But I can tell you what, when God does something, it's spectacular. And I can shout for joy. And he says here in verse 4, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. And the earth is is full. You understand full? Let me see. Let's see if I can demonstrate full. Are you all familiar with the chamois? Chamois? These, these claws and all? Now, would you say that probably had a couple of drops of water in it? Or what would you say? It was full. And the Bible says that the earth is full 
of what? The earth is full, which means jam-packed. I mean, chock full, saturated. I'm talking about bursting. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. His goodness, as the song we sing from time to time, his goodness is running after me. It says goodness and mercy are following me, but it's running after me. His goodness, the whole earth, you can't go anywhere where the goodness of God has not already filled the place up, even during coronavirus, and his goodness is looking to overtake us. It's running after us. I mean, you got to work really hard to stay away from the goodness of Almighty God. That's just what he's trying to tell us here. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> his goodness, it, it causes us to become extremely generous. We have a generous heart, just like our almighty God has. We're the kind of people who, when God blesses us, we, we, we give him offerings. That's what we're doing with this, uh, you know, these shoe boxes that we fill up for kids around the world. We give him our tithes. You know, we're being generous. We're following his example. And he says he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings we don't have room enough for because his goodness is chasing us down. Here, have some more. Here, have some more. Here, have some more. That's just what the things that the, uh, the Almighty has told us. And that's what he says in James chapter 1, verse 16. It says, so don't be misled. Don't, don't be fooled. You know, don't, don't be deceived about this, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever, no matter what it is, Whatever is good and perfect, it comes down to us from God, our Father. If it's truly good, it came from God. Now, we can talk about the goodness of God every month, surely every year, every month, every week, every day, and we'll never exhaust all the goodness of Almighty God because the earth is full of it. And he is seeking just to dump it on us all the time. You got eyes and you can see the beauty and the mountains and like the sunrise this morning and sunsets and oceans and lakes and all those kinds of things, you know. You got the ability to smell, that ability to smell. Did you know that's the goodness of God? What if you couldn't smell? If you can't smell, you have very little ability to taste. Is the ability to taste pretty good? How many of y'all like the taste of certain foods better than the taste of other ones? If you couldn't taste, we could just feed you all the bad stuff, and you wouldn't know the difference, would you? You know, the kids would all eat their spinach and all those kinds of things. Anyhow, our Heavenly Father, he's given us the ability also to hear some of the most wonderful melodies and the birds chirping and the kids giggling and, and the wind moving through the, the leaves of the trees and all so, you know, Susan and I, we hear these fantastic sounds. Now, I don't know if you like it or not, but I do. Brings me way, 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 way back. No matter where we're at around our property, anywhere up on the mountain there, we can hear in the morning, we can hear a rooster crowing. But he's a long ways away. It's not like he's right next to our, our bedroom or nothing like that. But you can hear him, and it's just like it brings me back to when I was a kid to hear that rooster crowing off in the distance. It was a beautiful sound, and we hear a train way, way off in the distance. You know, we do. And to be able to hear things, and, and all that's a blessing that Almighty God has given us. He's given us the capacity to experience joy. And you know, even he's given us the capacity to experience sorrow. Did you know that's the goodness of Almighty God? That we have real, genuine feelings, and it helps us to discern what's going on in our life. And there's 10,000 times, 10,000 more wonderful good things that God has. And it says in Psalms 84, verse 11, 
For the Lord God is our son, you know, and, and without the son, this planet would die. You know that, right? It, it, nothing would grow anymore, you know, maybe some fungus or something or another. But for the Lord God is our sun and our shield. So we don't get too much sun. We don't get sun burned, you know. But for the Lord God is our sun and our shield. And he gives us grace, his enabling power and glory. And the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. There is no good thing God will withhold from you if you do what's right. If you do what's right and you pay attention to his voice. We're seeing all these little things, these conditions that we meet that unlocks the goodness of God. And he says, no good thing will he withhold from those who do what's right. Listen to it in the Message Bible in verse 11. It says, all sunshine and sovereign is God, generous in gifts and glory. He doesn't scrimp with his traveling companions. That's us. Have you ever considered yourself God's traveling companion? That you're traveling through this whole life, you're traveling through this earth, through this world, with God right there in step with you. And he says he doesn't scrimp. You know, you, have, you know some people who scrimp? You know, maybe you was in a public school once upon a time, you were starving. You go up there to the cafeteria, and they only gave you a little dab. And you're going like, can I have some more? Get out of here. You know, it's like, hmm, you know. Well, God does not scrimp. He fills it up and he causes whatever it is that we have need of to overflow. That's just what he tells us. He doesn't scrimp with us, his traveling companions. Oh, wow. Think about it. Are you traveling close to God? Are you traveling close enough to God that you can hear him whisper? You can hear that still, small voice. It goes on to say in verse 12, it's smooth sailing. How far? All the way with God of the angels' armies. Smooth sailing. Do you like the concept of smooth sailing? Or do you like more, when you go sailing, would you rather have to deal with tidal waves and tsunamis and stuff like that, you know? Smooth sailing all the way. All the way with God of the angel armies. Genesis chapter 1 Verse 1, and if you get a chance today, I would encourage you to read Genesis 1-1 to the very last verse in 31 in that first chapter, and you'll see a lot of the things that God did that he considered was blessings and, and goodness and all. He said so. But I'm only going to read two verses, maybe three verses here this morning. And it's in Genesis 1-1. It says, first, this, God created the heavens and the earth. All that you see... And all you don't see, earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. That's verse 2. Now you can go down 3, 4, 5, 6, all the way down to verse 31. And listen to what God said about all the things in those verses that he had did and he had created. And he said they were good. But verse 31 says, God looked over what? Everything. God looked over everything that he had made, everything he had made, and it was so good. And then he reemphasized it. It was what? So very good. I'm telling you, this earth is full of the goodness of God, and he wants it to be 
following you. And he wants it to overtake you. And you and I can do little things to unlock his goodness to overtake us. That's what we just pay attention to his voice. You know, we just do the things that he tells us to do. You know, and his goodness will overtake us. Now, I was reading about this little girl who uh, grew up in an atheist household where no one ever spoke of God and once questioned her father about the origin of the world. Where does the world come from, Daddy? asked his three-year-old daughter. And her father replied with a discourse that was materialistic in nature. And then he added, yeah, well, however, there, there are those who say that all this came from a very powerful being and they call him God. And he was very sarcastic as he was describing this. But his three-year-old little girl said, when she heard him say that, she began to run around like a whirlwind around the room and she burst into joy and she exclaimed, I knew what you told me wasn't true, Daddy. I knew what you said. It wasn't true. It is him. He did create it. It is him. It is him. I'm going to tell you something. God can reveal himself to a three-year-old little girl even in a, you know, a home that don't believe in God. They're atheists and they try to discredit anything that God would do. But God revealed himself to a three-year-old little girl, and she was absolutely filled with joy. And I'm going to tell you the goodness of God just going to follow her all the days of her life. He is that way. That's who God is. And if you and I want to know God, he wants to reveal himself to you and to me. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, it says, Someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? What good deed must I what good deed must I do to have eternal life? You know? Or maybe there's two good deeds I have to do to have eternal life. Well, anyhow, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9, it says, God saved you by his grace, his unmerited favor, by his enabling power, you know, not by a good deed you did. This rich man said, well, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And there's some people in this day, well, what good deed do I have to do? Do I get some money to an orphanage? Do I, do I uh, fill up a shoebox and send it to some little kid on another part of the world or some another? Can I have eternal life if I do a good deed, <laughs> you know? Well, he says here, God saved you by his grace. That's his enabling power, his unmerited favor. He says, God saved you by his grace when you, when you believed. Now, that's not a deed. That's a belief. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this like you did a good deed. So you're going to get saved. No, it's just you just got to believe the things that he's already said. It is a gift. Now, how many at the end of Christmas, you go to everybody who gave you a Christmas gift and you start forking out cash paying for all them gifts? Or you say, thank you. Say, thank you. It is a gift from God. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things or the good deeds we have done. So none of us can boast about it. See, we don't get to heaven by our good deeds. We don't get to heaven by our goodness. We get to heaven by God's goodness. It's a gift. And all we got to do is believe and receive it. 
you know, take it to heart what he tells us, you know. Anyhow, in verse 17, it says, Jesus is the one talking. He says, well, why ask me about what's good? It's the same guy who said, what good deed can I do to have eternal life? He says, why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. I wonder who that is. <laughs> that would be God. Only God is really good. Psalms 25 verse 8, it says, The Lord is good and does what is right. God never does what is wrong. Now, political people may do what's wrong. Human beings can just do what's wrong, but God never does what is wrong. It says here, the Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. The prodigal sons of this world and the prodigal daughters of this world who have gone astray. He doesn't come after them with a great big stick. He comes after them with his love and saying, I just want to forgive you. I just want to remove the guilt and the regret and the shame from your life. And I want to restore the joy of salvation to you. God never does what's wrong. He always does what's right. Even to those who have rejected him, you know, he's pursuing them to forgive them if they will believe and receive it. Um, so you think about that. Are you in a position to receive the goodness of God? Because He's going to chase you down with it, but you got to believe it in order to receive it. Listen to what it says here in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? That's his goodness. Has God been kind to you? Has he been tolerant? Has he been patient? Even if you have not been. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Oh, it means a lot to me. Probably the older I get, the more I, I appreciate his patience and his kindness and his tolerance. He's put up with me for all these years. And he's been so gracious to me. It says, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness, talking about his goodness, is intended to turn you from your sins? Now the scripture, it tells us that it's the goodness of God is sent to us to turn us from our sin. The goodness of God, in another translation says, leads us. Now we know that the goodness of God follows us all the days of our life and is trying to overtake us, but it also says the goodness of God leads us into repentance. And you understand what repentance is, right? This is repentance. You stop the direction you're going, you turn around, and you go in another direction. Repentance is to change your direction. And it's the goodness of Almighty God, and you've not really done anything particular to deserve it, but he just blesses your socks off, and it's just like, Oh, God, why are you just blessing me? I don't deserve it. I've done some things I really shouldn't have done, and, and you're blessing me even now. And it's like the goodness of God was sent to you. The intent was to cause us to turn around from the way we're going 
and to go the right way, to repent, to turn from that direction and to follow him. That's what it says here, you know. Anyhow, Psalms, if you look there at 119, verse 65, it says, you have done many good things for me, Lord, just as you promised. Oh, that's awesome. Verse 66 says, I believe in your commands. I believe in your words and, and your ways. I believe in your commands. Now, now teach me good judgment. Does anybody here need some good judgment? I think we all do. Teach me good judgment and, and, and knowledge. And listen to what it says in verse 67. I used to wander off until you disciplined me. See, discipline is good. Now see, all the great Olympics, all the great athletes, they understand discipline and their particular field is what made them experts in that area. And he says here in verse 67, I used to wander off until you disciplined me. Discipline is a blessing. Now, Susan and I and James and uh, we have a, a dog, and we've had it for a bunch of years already. It's a border collie. His name is Tracker. And Tracker, we've started working with Tracker six weeks off and teaching him where to go potty and to do his business and all that kind of stuff. And he was really awesome at doing that. I mean, he's just a smart dog, you know. But there came a time he just don't like to f be alone. And if people come hiking by on the road or coming down off of a mountain trail from somewhere and came by, he was like, Hey, guys, can I go home with you? <laughs> and he had those big old loveful eyes, and he'd just follow them home. And then we may get a phone call, or the, the dog found would call us and say, are you missing something, you know? And we'd have to go and get Tracker. And he would do that periodically. Just He would obey us when we were there most of the time. And it got to the place where it's just like, Tracker, he'd sit, stay. But every once in a while, when he wanted to do something, and you go, stay. And he's like, stay. You ever see your kids do something like that? <laughs> so if we had to discipline him. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to do this, but we, we disciplined him with this collar that you put on him. And you got this little electronic thing in your pocket. Say, tracker, stay. And you push a button and it goes, beep, beep. And if he don't stay, then it goes, zap. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm staying, I'm staying, I'm staying. Put that thing back in your pocket, you know. It didn't take very long at all. But it always gave him the warning, beep, beep. Susan would go down to the mailbox and there'll be a, a truck backing up or a school bus or something that has a little beeper on it, and that truck would be backing, beep, beep, and Tracker sits down right away. <laughs> he just goes, beep, beep, you better sit down because something else is coming. But it gave him great freedom because he would obey us then. We could do anything with him because he would obey us because of some discipline. Have we had discipline? Have we despised discipline in our own life? And when we despise discipline, well, we don't have the freedoms that we could have. Anyhow, verse 67 says, I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now, everybody say now. Now, now but now I closely follow your word. I, I trust you. I closely follow your word. What he says here. 
Hmm. You are good and do only good. God don't do evil. You are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. Again, a prayer. Teach me your decrees. Teach me your ways, almighty God. Because there's nothing about God that isn't good. And there's nothing that God plans for you that isn't good. Listen to what he says here in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know, this is God's, for I know the plans. Now, you may not know what they are. And your politicians may not know what they are. But it says, for I know the plans I have for you. And this is God talking to each and every one of us. He's given us his word to instruct us. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And they are plans for what? For good. For your good. The plans that God has for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room and those who are listening in other places, the plans God has for you are for good. 100% guaranteed. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, even though at first it might look like disaster. You know, Tracker thought that little beeper in my hand there was for disaster, you know. But it's like, no, just want to discipline you. I want you, I want you to have great freedom. I can trust you. Sit out of the road. You don't get yourself lost and getting eaten by a bear or a mountain lion or something or another, you know. And this is for your good. Anyhow, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And what is a hope? A confident expectation for the future. And he's talking about you. Even during a t pandemic, God has plans for your life. He hasn't just erased them all. His plans for you is for a good future for you. That, that's just the 100% the, the guarantee of it and all. Listen here in the book of Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. There was a fellow by the name of Joseph. His brothers hated his guts. And they really wanted to kill him. They genuinely wanted to kill him because dad treated him very special. Well, he was a young, youngest one. Dad treated him really special. So they caught him one day out there checking on them, seeing what they were doing and all, tending their sheep. And they threw Joseph into a pit. They were going to kill him. And just tell dad, hey, something ate him. You know, we don't know what's going on here, dad, you know. Um, and this is what happened there. It says in Genesis 50, verse 20, it says, you intended to harm me. They did throw him into a pit. They sold him to slave traders, and he did go down into slavery and become a slave. And they knew slaves only live a, a year or two because they work him so hard. He was falsely accused when things looked like they might be getting better. The, his, his master's wife False, he accused him. Then they threw him in prison, and prisons was a horrible, torturous kind of a place. But then things happened because the goodness of God was pursuing Joseph, even when it seemed disastrous around about him. And it says here in Genesis 50, verse 20, it says, you intended, he's talking to his brothers, later years. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all. What percentage is all? even the pit, even the slavery, even the false accusations, even the prison, but God intended it all for good. Because as we read this story about Joseph, it gives us hope. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And I'm going to tell you, for such a time as this, 
during this pandemic, you and I are here to give hope to those who are without hope, who are hopeless, to encourage them and to pray for them and let them know that God loves them. And the worst thing that can possibly happen to us is us to get promoted to the highest level. And that's where they have streets made out of pure gold. And it's a place that we'll all be delighted one day when we get there. And the Bible tells us, you know, we're pilgrims. We're passing through. We're looking for a city whose maker and builder is God himself. We're pilgrims. We're just passing through this little place right here. Anyhow, we see that God intends everything that happens in your life to work together for good. But we just got to be a little patient with him. And we just got to believe him. And he guarantees us 100% he's going to work it together for good. Let me read you that verse one more time in the Amplified Bible, Romans 8, 28. And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. Psalms 31, verse 19, it says, Oh, how great, how, how great. I mean, the word great is like grand. Uh, and you think of a grand, uh, a grand piano, uh, uh, a grand canyon. Is a grand canyon, is it grand? Woo-hoo! It is beyond grand. So when we see this word here, oh, how great, how, how huge, how vast, how enormous. How grand is your goodness? How grand is the goodness of God? It's it's even better. The Grand Canyon is even better to be there and see and experience it than it is to see it on a postcard. And the goodness of God is so fantastic, great, and, and, and grand to experience it than just to hear somebody talk about it. Oh, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you. And the word fear there means respect and revere, reverence for him. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. Now, a couple of days ago in the morning, before we even got out of the bed, we were praying you know, and I was just thanking God for a lot of different things. And I said, thank you, God. Thank you, Papa God, for trusting Susan and I to come to a New England. Thank you that you trusted such young, immature people. We didn't know what in the world we was doing. Thank you for trusting us. And then a little bit later on in the day, Susan said, I'm going to tell you what I think. So when you was praying, I thought I, I heard what, what God, how God felt about what you said. And she said, I think I, I heard God saying, thank you for trusting me. Because I'm saying, God, thank you for trusting us down here with this. And, and God's going, thank you for trusting me. Do you trust God? And he says, thank you for trusting me. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, he is more than capable. And if he's for you, who or what can be against you? Nothing. Nobody. That's just the truth of it. You know. Um, it says here, Oh, how great is your goodness. Psalms 31, verse 19. Which you have laid up for those who fear you. Which you have prepared for those who trust you. Verse 20 says, You shall, you shall hide them. He's talking about us. 
I like this hide and seek kinds of stuff, you know. It says, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. Oh, man. The secret place of his presence is, is hiding in, 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 in the goodness of Almighty God. Let me tell you about somebody who hid in the presence of God. So a man named Daniel was thrown into a lion's den because the king told him, don't you pray no more except to me. Well, Daniel continued to pray to God, and they threatened him, and they threw him in a den full of starving lions, and he hid there. He go, how can you, in the presence of God, Daniel hid in a den of lions, and they couldn't touch him all night long because Daniel was hiding in the goodness of God. And that's what the scripture tells us. He says in verse 20, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they were told they couldn't, you know, sing or worship any other god except this god of gold, the statue of gold. And if you did, you get thrown in a fiery furnace. And they hid in the presence of the goodness of Almighty God, even in a fiery furnace. And the king says, I thought we threw three people. I see four of them running around in that place. And one of them looks like the son of God. That's what he said. See, Daniel hid in the presence of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego hid in the presence of God. Paul and Silas were put into a horrible, terrible, filthy, you know, torturous dungeon because they openly declared their love for God and they told people about him. And, you know, they were in lots of trouble, so other people told them, but they just... 12 o'clock at night, begin to worship Almighty God and praise Him. And an earthquake came and just busted all the chains and all the uh, bars in the whole place and set them free. They were hiding in the presence of the goodness of Almighty God. What about you? During this thing they call the uh, pandemic, during this thing called the coronavirus, is it possible that you and I can hide in the presence of Almighty God? Can we hide in the, the goodness of Almighty God? I think we can. In the midst of all that, and the worst thing that can possibly happen to us is we get promoted, you know? We go to the next class. And most people are thankful that they get promoted and moved on to the next class instead of having to repeat the one they already been through. But anyhow, you and I can hide from the dangers of this old world in the very presence of Almighty God. The disciples learned this. They hid in their relationship with Christ. Martin Luther learned this. There was a guy about 100 years before Martin Luther. His name was John Huss. And they were going to burn him at the stake because he was declaring the goodness of God. He was preaching and people were coming to have faith in God. And, and they threatened him and, and they told him, and they did. going to burn him at the stake as a heretic, you know, because of the religious system they had of that day. And John Huss, he told the faithful followers of Christ, when they were asking him, they were so sad, he said, well, I'm going to tell you something, I'll give you a little insight. We don't know what's going to happen here, but he says, if you hear me singing when they burn me at the stake, you will know that I felt no pain. You read about John Huss. And when John Huss was martyred, he died a martyr's death and they burned him at the stake, he was singing the whole time. And it's just like, wow. He was hiding in the presence of Almighty God. What about you and I? When difficulties come into our life, have we learned 
how to hide in the presence of Almighty God, no matter what's going on around about us, that we can hide in Him. He is our refuge. He is our, our shield. He is our safety. Well, we'll hide like a, a, a baby eagle is hiding under the mama's wing. We will hide in that secret place of the Most High. Psalms 107, verse 1, it says, Oh, thank God, He is so good, His love never runs out. You know, there's a song that we sing from time to time. I'm just going to read you a little piece of the verse. Higher than the mountains that I face. It's called One Thing Remain. Higher than the mountains that I face. Stronger than the power of the grave. Constant through the trial and the change. One thing remains. Yes, one thing remains. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Y'all familiar with that song? I'm going to read you that verse again. Psalms 107, verse 1. Oh, thank God, he's so good, his love never runs out. But his love does run after me to overtake me, but it never runs out. Psalms 107, verse 2 says, all set free by God. How many of you have been set free by God in some area of your life? He says, all of you set free by God, tell the world, exclamation mark. And that's the way it is. Tell the world what God's done for you, even during this pandemic. Tell the world what God has done for you. All the world that's set free by God, tell the world, exclamation mark. Tell how he freed you from oppression. And then in verse 8 and 9, it says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. The thing is, the goodness of God is so constant. It's so constant. The sun rises every day, even if there's a cloud blocking it. But because of the goodness of God is so constant, we take it for granted. And we forget to give him thanks because of that. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that's us. For he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Jeremiah, ain't got much more to go. Jeremiah 31, verse 14 says, My people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. Psalms 34, verse 8 says, Taste and, and see. Y'all understand taste? You know, last night, well, that was actually on Friday. Y'all know Joseph Mianov, him and uh, uh, Natalie, they, they are fantastic cooks and all. So when he called me up on Friday, he said, Pastor Ron, could you use some gluten-free cookies? You know, I'm going like, sure, you know. He said, well, I'm going to have to work Saturday night, but I'll have uh, Natalie bring them down Saturday, Sunday. I'm going, okay. Now, I didn't really see them, but last night they showed up during my teaching time. You still have them cookies? Huh? You, you don't have your cookies? Do you think if you had some cookies, it would be worthwhile tasting them? You don't have my cookies? <laughs> well, I always got a backup plan. That's okay. I got some peaches. Now, y'all probably don't like peaches, and you probably have never had a decent peach either. Down south, they have these peach stands that you pull over on the side of the road, and you can't eat them in your car. I wonder if this thing will open up. You cannot eat the southern peaches in your car. 
because they're like the size of a softball. And when you bite them, the juice just drips down off your elbow. So you have to eat them outside. They're the most delicious peaches. The peaches that you buy in the grocery stores up here pretty much taste like plastic, you know, in comparison. But I'm going to have a, a spoonful of these peaches. Y'all like peaches? Is it okay if I have another bite? Sure. Hey, this worked out better. When I had them cooking this last night, everybody wanted one. You want some? Mmm. This is. You know what I learned about stuff that tastes good? One don't do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow. Mmm. Wow. Oh. I forgot I was teaching. Okay. Almost done. Psalms 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm going to tell you, once you begin to experience the goodness of God, it's just like these peaches. And just like them gluten-free cookies I had last night. When you taste, you just want some. That time's about up. You just want some more. You know what I'm saying? Mm. This came in really handy. Wow. It's amazing. But it says here, taste and see that the Lord is what? He's good. When you try God out, you put him to the test, you're going to find out that the earth is really genuinely filled with the goodness of God. For you, for every one of you, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, who's watching, listening somewhere else, or who isn't here, the goodness of God is for you. And he wants to overtake you. He wants you to experience his goodness every day of your life. And it don't matter if there's a den full of lions, or there's a fiery furnace, or there's a, a, a dungeon somewhere awaiting you. It don't matter if there's a pandemic or coronavirus. God still wants his goodness to overtake you and those that are dear to you. Do we dare to believe him? I believe him, 100%. One more verse. It says in Psalms 27, verse 13, I would have fainted. And in the Hebrew there, when it says I would have fainted, it's talking about I would have just given up. I would have just given up. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. Not just when I die and go to heaven one day, but in the land of the living. I would have fainted. I would have given up, you know, unless I had believed. Are you believing? And I'm going to tell you what, you read his book there, and it, 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 it stimulates your believer. It, it causes your faith to grow and to increase. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Are you, are you believing are you believing something bad is just getting ready to happen to you? 
Or are you believing that the best is yet to come? I believe the best is yet to come because if I read his word and I see him declaring it over and over and over and I have come to believe my Papa God who has sent his son here as a sacrifice for us for you and for me, so our sins can be forgiven and our shame can be washed away and our regret can be removed and we can be filled with great anticipation and expectation that everything that he has promised that he's going to do. And he wants you to experience his goodness. It's following you. It leads you to repentance. It's going to overtake you. He wants his goodness in your life. All you got to do is believe. Let me ask you, brother, for those who might be interested in this, I don't know, but I was. Did you catch a big fish recently? Oh, yeah. How big was it? That's a brown trout. That is spectacular fish. Now, you may not understand this, but that's the goodness of God in my book. You know what I'm saying? The goodness of God. He allows you to experience his goodness. In these areas of your life, it's important to you. He's crazy about you. Well, let's pray. I want you to bow your heads with me. And Susan, if you can come on up here. Watch out. It's slippery up here, though. There's water and peach juice and stuff all over the place. Oh, man. But what I want to do, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior already, I would like for you to reaffirm your faith in him. And if you've drifted away from him, Today is the day to get right with God. If you don't know him at all, he knows you. He knows everything about you. And he's been after you to forgive you, to write your name in the book of life because he's crazy in love with you. And he wants his goodness to come after you and to overtake you and your family and your loved ones. So would you welcome him into your life today? And those of you who already know, would you reaffirm your faith in him? Let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. That's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he gave his life for me. I believe he gave his life for me. To wash all my sins away. To wash all my sins away. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe that he rose from the dead. And that he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide that door. I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus inside. And I welcome Jesus inside. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. As my soon coming King. As my soon coming King. And as my friend. And as my friend. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. This day. This day. I choose to live for Jesus. I choose to live for Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.